Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Welcome to Screw It, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man with your two hosts, one of which is named Kevin Hines, and the other which has the name Will Hines. I am the one named Will Hines. And I'm the one named Kevin Hines, uh, and because we sound sort of similar, I hope you can keep our voices straight in your head. Of the many things we did not think through before starting this podcast, one of which is that our voices are kind of the same. Yeah, that's because we are brothers. Uh, We are also both UCB comedians. Uh, We do not, however, live on the same coast. I live on the East Coast and Will lives on the other coast, often Mm -hmm. called the West Coast. It's very often called the West Coast. Yeah. And this is a podcast where we discuss the original Spider-Man comics by the original creators, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. So we're talking about the first 38 issues, the first couple annuals, and Amazing Fantasy 15, most of which we've already covered because we're deep into this. We're on issue 30 today. Yeah, we're getting close. We're we're heading toward the end. We're heading into our final laps. Yeah. Based on what we have planned, uh, we probably have 10 or 11 episodes left. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know. Including but let's not, yeah. Including three of the best issues of Spider-Man that have ever been done. Yeah, this today's episode. I mean, if you downloaded today's episode, I guess listen to it. But you really should have listened <laughs> to next week's episode. That's when it really gets good again. Yeah, you screwed up by not listening to the yet unrecorded episode. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I mean, this is gonna be a good one. I'm not saying it's gonna be a bad episode. I mean, but you the might, next already, three. Those are the ones to listen to. So delete this right now and just wait a week. Yeah. Don't even bother. Yeah. Um, next week is the beginning of Steve Ditko's Master Planner trilogy. But yeah, I guess we'll do this episode, Kevin. I mean, we're already here. I mean, lucky, lucky for you, it has some foreshadowing for next week's episode. So that'll uh, give you something because yeah, we're not going to give you anything else. We're going to add no value yeah. to the small amount of value this comic intrinsically has. Actually, it's a, it's a pretty good issue. Uh, I found it uh, very average. Yeah, I know. Uh, Especially I thought the last few were pretty good. Uh, This came out in November 1965, for those of you that are putting these on your calendar. (laughs) Um, And um, yeah, it features a character named the Cat Burglar, I think. Yeah, it's called the Cat or the Cat Burglar. Um, He's a real nothing of a villain. Yeah. Though I think he came back in the 80s. Love it. I love it. Um, these early Google 60s that. comics are so revered. I mean, these early 60s comics, these Spider-Man ones we're doing, and then also like, you know, the Fantastic Four comics at that time, blah, blah, blah. We're like so worshipped that like nerds would be children. That's not grammar. Nerds be children. Nerds would be kids reading. <laughs> the, the, the nerds who were kids reading this would grow up and write the comics in the 80s. And so they would have reverence for like, every single character done in these and they would like bring him back and try to like give them better backstories and improve them and stuff like that. Sometimes, sometimes that was fun. And sometimes that was like, you didn't need to do that. Yeah. It's very hard to find information on this guy. Cause if you look up Spider-Man and cat, it just talks about the black cat, a much more interesting character. I love the black cat. Um, um, his name on this one website is just cat burglar. <laughs> yeah. I think that's all he's referred to. Um, and I must be wrong. Oh, wait, here we so go. D- Spectacular d- Spider-Man. Just for some other context, listeners. So, like, Spider-Man comics, the ones we're doing, was it were a collaboration between these two guys, Stan Lee, who you've probably heard of, who was, like, an editor and a writer, and Steve Ditko, 
who you maybe haven't heard of unless you're a regular listener. And Steve Ditko was the illustrator, but they had a very collaborative partnership. And and at this point in the run, 30 issues in, Steve Ditko was doing most of the work. He was developing the stories, developing all the characters, um, pretty much just giving the art to Stan Lee, I think without having talked to him like at all. Yeah, I don't think you uh, talked to them. I believe there must be written notes because some of the stuff I think would have been really hard sure. to communicate. Absolutely. There are definitely some things in this issue that I think were misused uh, by Stanley. Yeah, I mean, like since the artist is not talking to the guy writing the the speech balloons, it makes sense there'd be some mistakes. Yeah, I but, think um, there's a pretty big one in this one, and we'll talk about that one. Oh, when we get I, to I it. don't know what you're referring to. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, so, yeah. like. But part of the reason why Kevin and I are fascinated, I mean, many reasons, we love these comics, is like this partnership is so crazy. Like they didn't, Ditko seemed to not like Stan Lee or or to have problems with him. I mean, since he never gave interviews and became a recluse, it's hard to totally know. But, and yet they were producing such good work and such influential work. And uh, this run of comics we're reading like defined the whole industry. I mean, it would be like if the Beatles, if John Lennon and Paul McCartney didn't talk to each other and just, yet made the Beatles. Yeah, and just got up on stage and started singing and their songs just worked. Yeah, Paul just like started doing some music and then John improvised lyrics over it, you know, or something like that or, or vice versa. And like, um, so it's, it's sort of nuts. Um, and that's something we think about as we read these, as we read these issues. Yeah. I mean, it's really amazing that the next three issues are so solid and so good. And you would think that they were very heavily collaborated on. I mean, some of it is that these guys, Stan and Steve, had done comics for years and years and years. They're pros. There are certain like types of stories and story beats and templates that are kind of standard. So they could, you know, oh, here's the bad guy. Oh, here's the moment when the bad guy gives up. Or here's the heroic moment of overcoming an obstacle. There's some stuff that they had, they were just practiced at. Um, yeah. And they were obviously building off of stuff they had done together. They had worked specifically together. So I mean, yeah, they, they had done a sci-fi fantasy series called amazing fantasy where they'd done all these like twist story stuff. So there, there was a time when they had collaborated, um, you know, uh, more in a more friendly way. So anyway, that's interesting. I, I declare, I declare uh, any thoughts it to be interesting. The, any thoughts on the cover? Will? I think it's a pretty good cover. It shows a water tower crashing off the top of a building and Spidey under uh, in its path, clinging to a wall with a cr- and there's like a crowd of people underneath. It kind of reminds me of the scene in Superman one where there's like a helicopter about to fall onto a crowd. The Superman. Yeah, one I movie. think it's it's a good cover too. It's very dark and moody. Yeah, Ditko liked. He was very innovative as an illustrator. Yeah, so there's cool mood stuff going on. Um. And it's got a good Stan Lee uh, caption on it. Only the batty Marvel bullpen could present such a truly dazzling display of daring do as, quote, the claws of the cat, unquote. I don't know what's so batty about them, but. um, Yeah, this story, uh, 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 Stan Lee, I think, is working hard to sell it to us. And I'm not buying. I think it's an average story. We've got an average story, folks. I think some of the Peter Parker melodrama is good. Yeah, but the actual Spider-Man half of the story is severely lacking. It's pretty boring. But yeah, the, the Peter Parker stuff is good. So yeah, um, I mean, that's what I think of the cover. Um, and that's what you think of the cover. What's, uh, what's going on in the Marvel Universe at this time? I in did not check. 65th? I feel like nothing. Okay, I'll trust your hunch. Yeah. That's, that's good enough for me. That's the kind of research we do on this podcast. 
Yeah, I used to do the minimum, but most <laughs> months it's nothing. So sometimes I forget yeah. to check, and that's when we started the Spider. Months. Yeah, when we started the Spider-Man comics, Marvel Universe was forming, so there'd be big stuff happening every month. But at this point, the it's pretty much in place and just operating. So yeah, then um, like the next big things generally are going to happen after Ditko leaves the title. That'll be where like new create characters get books, and even when new characters get books, it's like Submariner, Nick Fury, characters who already um, they exist have. Yeah, have existed or have had books. Um, yeah, and so there's not like a big, uh, surprisingly new thing coming up. For, even Black Panther, I think, is not for a while. Yeah, uh, he shows up in Fantastic Four like in 68 or something like that, yeah, or 67. Like that, yeah. So, um, okay, and then um, any Spider-Man or podcast news? I was on another podcast called the Guilty Pleasure Podcast. Um, that's, not, that's on our same podcast network the campfire media network yeah how was it it was fun i they got to talk you, about they treat you good talk, they treated me badly they, they were they were psychologically uh condescending they were manipulative uh no they were they're really sweet and um and it was fun i got to talk about max martin who is a songwriter and song producer who's done a lot of pop songs like britney spears and and sync and justin timberlake and Katy perry and uh, kelly clarkson and it was uh really fun that guy sounds like he should be rich. He should be. Um, I hope he decided to do that, to become rich. I mean, it seems like he worked with a lot of hits. Yeah, he's, a, he's an insane hit maker. It's sort of comic, he's comically successful. Um, yeah, so that's what I did. Any Spider-Man news? Uh, I don't know of any. All right. I've not heard anything right. worth talking about here. The software I use to edit the podcast, Adobe Audition, uh, updated uh, to a new version recently. <laughs> it's really exciting for our listeners. <laughs> that's podcast. That's podcast news. The tools yeah. I use to make the podcast. I, mean, I guess it is. It's just what the people who listen are hoping to hear in this section of the podcast. This is and the yeah. kind of melodrama that um, that uh, shows you how exciting the issue is that we're about to talk about. <laughs> I mean, Will and I both just updated uh, Chrome. Oh yeah, that's also right podcast before, news. Right before the recording of this podcast. We use Chrome, the Google browser, to record this podcast. And we use the Zencaster podcast services, which I'll say is on the good side of okay. <laughs> yeah, we've had a, some uh, uh, drifting issues. Some people have noticed that we had a couple past podcasts where our voices get out of sync. Yeah. Yeah, and that, it uh, seems like it works pretty good. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's a little behind the curtain look for people. That's probably the most riveting Probably the most riveting news that these guys who are listening have heard in a long time. Yeah. I say let's launch into the actual story. Let's do it. Splash page. A splash page that feels like a splash page. It just does not feel like a second cover. This would be a weird cover, but it is a very cool, I think, splash page. It's kind of like, reminds me of an old James Bond opening credits. It's got Spider-Man hanging upside down. His back is to the viewer, so you see the back of his costume. And he's kind of gazing at a weird kaleidoscope of all the characters we're going to see in this issue. Including uh, Peter Parker. Including his own alter ego, yeah. Um, and uh, that, that's a cool-looking image. And um, we have the funny credits, as always, heroically written and edited by Stan Lee, homerically plotted and drawn by Steve Ditko, hastily lettered and bordered by Artie Simic. Yep, poor Love Artie. It. I like that Stan would throw on words like homerically. Like, I read these comics first when I was a kid, like, you know, 10 or 11 or something. And I, and I did love the big words that would show up now and then. 
Yeah, uh, I appreciate them now. I think even more because I still yeah. don't know them. <laughs> he it didn't feel like he was doing it for educational purposes. It felt like Stan just had a flair for like a for like a dramatic phrase now and then, and he liked to drop it in there. Sort of like if you watch old Twilight Zones when Rod Serling is narrating, you know, he would sometimes put in a pretty highbrow reference, you know, like Sisyphus, you know, pushing his eternal rock. This yeah, mailman's well, about to turn into an alien or whatever. Why use a one-syllable word when you got a four-syllable one right there that works just as well? Sometimes they make fun of themselves. They'll be like, that was a real 50-cent word or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's how much expensive words cost in the 60s. Oh, words were so cheap back then. So um, the last page is good. So, Kevin, how, where, where are we at at the beginning of our actual story? So we start with a little recap because there's a lot of little small threads that Steve Ditko has st- started going in the previous yeah. issue that we need to continue on. Yeah, we sort of get a last week on Spider-Man or something like that sort of thing. Or pre- yeah, previously like, on The Amazing Spider-Man. That's right. And there's like three panels that are just recapping on stuff. So Betty Brant is still recovering from the scare she took at seeing the scorpion, which I still yep. don't buy. This woman's been through so much. She should have been unfazed by the scorpion. But, Betty Brant uh, is conveniently either a total hero or a complete wimp, depending on the needs of the story. She serves the story. Good for you, Betty. Yeah, and Ned Leeds is there taking care of her, which is bad news for Peter Parker because Ned Leeds is competition for uh, Betty Brant's heart. Yes, and the ages of these characters are all over the place. We think Betty Brant might be 19 at the oldest and Ned 27 at the youngest. Yeah. All and I Peter's know like, is Peter's Ned like is 16 or something. Ned's a real creep. No. Ned's a creep. And Peter, I guess Peter's like, he just graduated high school, so he's 17 or 18. Yeah. He's, he's a year, I put him a year younger than Betty Maybe the same age, but I, I I find it insane to think Betty would be the editor for J. Jonah, the secretary for the editor of the Bugle before she's 18. Right, right. Um, although JJJ doesn't have the most practical business approaches we've seen. No, you know, it's cheaper to hire a high school dropout. <laughs> they don't whine so much. Um, second panel, we see Aunt May is still woozy and sick. Peter's Peter's mother figure. Yeah, she's been having dizzy spells. Uh, she's uh, nearly fainted last issue. But she doesn't want Peter to know about it. Doesn't want him to worry. And then in the third issue, uh, Mrs. Watson, the mother slash aunt of the soon-to-be-huge figure Mary Jane Watson, comes by to take Aunt May to the movies, freeing up Peter Parker to do some spider nonsense. Yeah, he can finally get started with the story. Yeah. So... Panel four, we do, and Spidey is swinging around looking for trouble to break up, and he's finding nothing. Yeah, and like usual, he swings by some action but doesn't notice it. He used to swing by the Green Goblin every now and then, and he would never see him. Right now, mm-hmm. he's swinging by a cat burglar who's scaling the side of the building who is glad that Spider-Man missed him because that would have been the end of his crime spree. Would have been a one-page comic, too. Yeah, so this guy so cat- is basically... You know, he's just a guy like with a, a skin tight cap kind of uh, covering his head and then sort of a bunch of pouches like a 1990s image character covering his body. <laughs> and that's about it. He doesn't really have much going on here as a look. I'm going to say as a cap burglar, he's top of the line. He's got a lot of tools and a lot sure. of confidence. But as a Spider-Man comic book villain, he's woefully under equipped. I mean, he even talks about how he is not a Spider-Man villain. He thinks to himself, uh, I'm just small potatoes to him. He's only interested in superpowered world menaces. And then he like breaks in using burglar tools. Yeah, just pretty rudimentary 
breaking into an apartment type of stuff. I mean, I assume most cat burglars don't scale the sides of buildings. They use like fire escapes or go on ground floors or up inside the building. So he's braver than most cat burglars, but his tools of trade are basically the same. In Marvel Comics, the, the bar with which you have to cross before you climb a building is pretty low. People are climbing buildings left and right in these comics. Yeah. We had a scientist climb a building a while back chasing after, I think, the scorpion. Yeah, he tried to stop the scorpion. Yeah, that guy was brave. Yeah, he fell to his death. uh, The next panel, yes. But for (laughs) one moment, um, he was a brave man. And so we see the cat burglar inside this rich apartment, and he's using a little explosive to blow up a safe, a quiet explosive. The sound effect is whoomp. Yeah, I mean, that's what you'd want to use. He is a well-prepared cat burglar using the correct tools of the trade. He's a top-of-the-line, totally appropriate cat burglar. Yeah. Um, so he gets away with his crime, but the next morning we see who he robbed, and Kevin, that is a surprise. Yeah. It's a character we both know and love, J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson got robbed. Yeah. Uh, his stocks, his bonds, his important papers, gone. His important papers, yeah. The, the cat has all his I – guess, I guess J. Jonah Jameson's important papers are lists of reasons Spider-Man is bad. Yeah. Or maybe villains he's helped create accidentally. (laughs) Um, The cops are investigating. Jameson is furious. He announces his plans to offer a $1,000 reward for who to catch this burglar. That's right. But then we cut away. We cut away from that and we see a gang of well-trained thugs in matching head to toe covering purple Lycra outfits Mm-hmm. Uh, who are executing a robbery um, uh, of a load of uranium. Right. And here's the huge mistake, I think, Will. These criminals yes. constantly talk about how the cat organized this. The cat burglar yeah. we just met, who does not run any criminal schemes. These guys work for the master planner. Yeah, these guys are clearly the villains that we're going to see next issue, who are the thugs that work for the master planner. They are, in this moment, beginning the scheme that will come into its full fruition in issue 31. But Stanley either didn't know that or chose to ignore it because Stanley is impatient and wants everything to pay off now. Right. Yes. So these guys constantly talk about how they work for the cat burglar. These are not the cat burglars crooks. I ignore those words. They work for the master planner because he plans, he's going to plan a heist where a truck opens up on the top and criminals climb out of it and then lay a board yeah. across two trucks and scale the other truck and remove the uranium. Yep. And the uranium is a huge factor in the story starting next issue. So like this is, it's a, it's the biggest continuity mistake in the lead Ditko partnership. Even, and we've had Peter Parker called by the wrong name. Yeah. And Betty and Brandt we've had, have the wrong, uh, or Betty, uh, Liz Allen's parents have the wrong name as well. And Dr. Octopus once called Spider-Man Superman. Yeah. Those are nothing. Yeah, this is a huge mess up. So, because yeah. there, there's like three or four times they mention the cat, and every time they're wrong. They don't work for him. They don't work for the cat. They got nothing to do with him. Um, but Spidey does fail to stop them. They get the uranium, and he sort of moves on with his day, basically. Yeah, he shows up. He tussles with them a bit. They knock him off the truck, and then when he turns around, they're gone. So he moves on to goes, and he goes to J. Jonah Jameson's house or office, his office. And taunts him that he's going to catch the cat burglar and earn that $1,000 reward. I think it's his home. I think we see like a mirror and a nice chair. 
I mean, it could be his office. It's so hard to tell. He would have redecorated after the last issue where the scorpion wrecked it all. So who knows? Yep. Yeah, it must be his home. It looks like it looks very homey. I agree. I agree. Um, Spider-Man's pretty funny in this issue. Yeah. Uh, like at but one yeah, point he, when he's when he's trying to beat the master planner thugs, the ones who are mistakenly called the cat burglars thugs, he's running after them and he says out loud to himself, perhaps I can still head them off by taking to the rooftops. I sure wouldn't want to be kicked out of the neighborhood Spider-Man Association. I tell you, Kevin, that's funny. Yeah. And the next panel, he uh, when he doesn't see them, he's sure he'll find them soon because I eat my crunchies and brush after every meal. I'm sure to win out in the end. It's funny. He's a good boy. So Spidey is here talking trash to J. Jonah Jameson in JJJ's J's, yeah, apartment. Um, so many J's. Yeah. I, I always wanted to be JJ, but it's JJJ. It always sounds like a mistake. I think sometimes they call him JJ, right? Well, he's JJ Jameson, right? So you could yeah. just call him JJ. Um, but if you're, getting, if you're getting his full name abbreviated, you got to go JJJ. That's right. And uh, Spider-Man thinks it would be a real hoot. To have to get to Jonah would have to give the reward to Spider Man for catching this cat burglar. So, and also Spider Man could use a thousand dollars. So he is telling Jonah that he's going to get the cat burglar and collect that thousand dollars, and it gets under Jonah's skin immediately. Jonah starts. He breaks into a flop sweat. He starts chomping on a cigar. He's imagining the humiliation of him having to write a check to Spider-Man with all these cameras watching. He's imagining Spider-Man having a pretty menacing grin with teeth. Yeah, it's very Venom-esque. Therefore, I say that Steve Ditko not only created all the villains he did create, he created the Venom. He created Venom, a character that does not come out for 30 years. Who are the, um, the biggest Spider-Man characters that... Ditko did not create. I think Venom has got to be like number one on that list. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, do you count the Hobgoblin? Nope. Because that's like a Green Goblin sequel. Okay. Although I, I love the Hobgoblin, but I, do, I, I don't count that as a major. I mean, the Black Cat, the Kingpin. Black? Kingpin's big. He didn't create Kingpin? No. Kingpin starts under John Romita. That's a, what a great character. Um, so n- not the Kingpin, although I think if Kingpin is belonging to Daredevil more than Spider-Man. But he starts in Spider-Man comics. He's created by yeah. John Romita. He didn't, he, yeah. I don't okay, know. Okay, okay. He was also a you, big feature of the Fox Spider-Man cartoon that a lot of people started with on Spider-Man. Okay. So Venom, Kingpin. Oh, I'll count Black Cat. Um, Black Cat's a pretty major character. I mean, in the 80s she was, for sure. She was big in, the, in my time reading Spider-Man She's comics. She's still around, still doing stuff. Oh, I love her. Love it. Felicia Hardy. There's not a, a lot babe. of female sorry, characters. You sorry don't to, lose, sorry you don't to lose a good one. one. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, Beyond that? There, there, there aren't a lot. Yeah, I'm sure there are some that I'm forgetting. Um, I mean, the black costume in general, pre, sure. pre-Venom even, but I guess that's part of Venom. Yeah, I would, I mean, Venom is sort of a collaboration amongst numerous sources, I would say. Um, yeah, Did I'm sure I'm forgetting go? something else big, but not that big. Yeah. Um, I mean, did he create Robbie Robertson? We haven't seen him yet. I don't think so. That's a, that feels like a real Ramita addition. That's a very big, I mean, and Gwen, no, he creates Gwen Stacy. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. He creates, he creates Gwen Stacy. Yeah. I don't know if he creates Captain Stacy. <laughs> you're pretty, but you're digging d- deep if you count that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it goes. Responsible for the stuff you know about Spider-Man, yeah. except for Kingpin. Uh, 
and Venom. And Venom's really the big, Venom's the one that is like, I count Venom as just like a huge, huge part of the Spider-Man mythology. Um, It's hard to leave him out of any huge Spider-Man story. And he's not, he's not at all a Ditko creation. Yeah. And he got a huge fan base just of himself. You know what? He didn't really create Mary Jane Watson. He did, but he didn't really. He didn't. Uh, he created Gwen Stacy. Like we see Gwen Stacy walk around and talking and interacting. That doesn't really happen with Mary Jane under Ditko's watch. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Mary Jane and Venom. Okay. Anyway. Great. Um, Jameson's freaking out. Jameson knows he has might have to pay $1,000 to Spider-Man. So he calls up Frederick Foswell, former head of the mob, current Daily Bugle reporter. And but says, also you find undercover, a- he's undercover as a criminal known as pa- uh, Patch who is yeah. basically a stoolie for the police. Yeah. Patch has like one of these like mission impossible level masks where nobody knows it's a mask and he gets to like walk around the underground and snoop around and stuff like that. So Jameson is saying, Foswell, go find out who the cat burglar is. And Foswell's going to use his patch persona to do it. Yeah. And I, I say yawn. Meanwhile, yeah. Spider- we don't care about patch. We, I don't care about this cat burglar. Spider-Man turns back into Peter Parker and the story gets good again. Yeah, the Peter Parker stuff is great. As Peter Parker, he runs into Liz Allen, the most um, popular girl uh, in high school who used to have a crush on Peter, but it seems like she's given that up. But lately, she's every time we've seen her, she's really tortured and kind of sad, and uh, we don't know why. And she runs into Peter on the street and asks him a favor. Yeah, she's being followed by Flash Thompson and doesn't want him to know where she works. So she asks Peter to stall Flash. Yeah, and uh, and because then we then we pull the camera back and we see that Flash is indeed following Liz Allen, and so Peter is happy to stall his rival, the bully Flash Thompson. I mean, Liz is dressed like an adult now. She's dressed up in a, a little more conservatively than her flashy red outfits from high school two issues ago. Uh, <laughs> right, she looks like she's dressed for work, but Flash is still dressed like BMOC. <laughs> Flash high got that turtle jeans. Yeah, tight-fitting turtleneck that shows off all his muscles. <laughs> yeah. And he is um, following his high school girlfriend. Real creep move. <laughs> real creep move. And uh, Peter Parker interrupts him and starts talking trash. Flash cannot resist the chance to to yell and make fun of puny Parker that he hates so much. Mm-hmm. And if they're sort of tussling stop- a little bit. Yep. And uh, Spider-Man sh- or, or Peter sees somebody on the roof that could be the cat burglar. Yeah, so he's thinking like, oh, this is my chance to get the cat burglar. Ditko, Steve Ditko, the guy who's doing all the stories at this point, really likes to do this to like sort of like have the different stories run into each other all the time. You know, it's like the teenagers are chasing the spider slayer robot down the street who's chasing Spider-Man, you know, who's trying to not be seen by like Aunt May or whatever. Yeah. he He likes sort of a farcical coincidental overlap of the stories. And it's it's pretty good. I, I like it. It works. Yeah. Um, he likes to have the teenagers involved with <laughs> these super criminal elements. And in most cases, it's more fun than uh, too coincidental, I guess. You know, sometimes it's too coincidental. It takes you out of it. But most of the time in these stories, it feels fun. Um, so then uh, what, what does Peter do? Uh, he's got he sees somebody who might be the cat burglar, but here he is dealing with Flash Thompson. Uh, yeah, so he has to, so what he does is he knocks Flash out by like elbowing him in the gut with his super strength. Yeah. Or maybe like r- wrapping him on the jaw. It's sort of hard to tell. 
I think it's a little pop on the jaw. Yeah. Either way, he knocks Flash out. Flash is out cold. As Spider-Man leaps up on the roof and changes into his costume so quickly that Stanley has to make fun of it. Uh, yeah. He says, uh, I've got my costume changing down to a real science. I can switch from Peter Parker to Spidey almost as quick as a sneeze. <laughs> Uh, he, I like I, I I like when JJ does uh, it's JJ Stanley. <laughs> I picture them having the same voice. I like when Stanley does that when he's sort of like he, he accounts for stuff. Yeah, I think I mean it was a very we don't even see him pulling up a shirt. It's just he's in the Spider Man outfit one panel later. Uh, but Spider Man um, catches this guy he saw on the roof, kind of holding somebody, pulling a gun on somebody. Spider Man saves him. It's unrelated to the cat burglar, unrelated to the master planner. So. He quickly leaves again, changes back into Peter, and wakes Flash up. Um, and Flash falls for it. He thinks that they both knocked each other out, and he just continues to talk trash to Peter. And Peter <laughs> lies to Flash. That'd be so embarrassing, even if you both... Like, Peter's claim is that they bumped heads, that they were both knocked unconscious. And Flash <laughs> is like, okay. I would be like, I'd still be humiliated. That this um, puny Parker knocked me out. Yep. I know it's insane. Flash puts up with a lot of humiliations rather than admit uh, uh, that, that, any, that he's doing anything wrong ever. Um, uh, Peter lies to him and tells him that Liz works at Dylan's department store, but that's not true. Um, In fact, we don't Flash, know where we don't know where Liz works. We have no idea. Uh, then we cut back to Betty Brandt and Ned Leeds and uh, she is telling Ned, I don't know what to say, but we don't yet know what she's talking about, but we will find out very soon. And Peter calls her on the phone and she says, Peter, you need to come over. We need to have a conversation. Um, yeah, this, and this is the emotional kind of climax of the issue, really. Yeah. Um, Betty tells Peter, Kevin, why don't you say it? Uh, well, Ned is proposed. Ned leads has proposed this to 20, I'm guessing 28, 29 year old man. Yeah. Proposed to this 18 year old, maybe 19, uh, woman, woman. And, she's and, too young and, for him. And, uh, she's, she should not be with Ned. Not yet. And she's conflicted cause she still loves Peter, even though Ned has been more attentive and more sweet and more available. And yeah. Peter is Blown away by this news. Yeah. He's blown away. He immediately considers telling her he's Spider-Man. And proposing her, himself. Which is like also a mistake. That, don't, don't propose right out of high school, Peter. Although I guess in the 60s, maybe that would happen. But he's, he doesn't want to lose her. Yeah. Uh, but then something happens that convinces him he could never have Betty. Yeah. When he thinks about Spider-Man, he sort of mentions Spider-Man... To sort of segue into saying, I'm Spider-Man, I guess. And Betty yeah. says, don't mention Spider-Man. If Ned were anything like him, I wouldn't even consider his offer. Yeah. Which Spidey has to think, ulp. Yep. And then Betty continues, I've had enough excitement in my life, enough worries. I still remember what happened to my brother, who was murdered because he got mixed up in the mob. I could never love an adventurer, a man who risks his life each day. And Peter says, oh, I, I never thought of it that way, even though they did have this same conversation about 15 issues ago. But that's yeah, fine. they've had this conversation a couple of times, at least. Um, and Betty reiterates, she just wants a normal suburban life. And Peter's face falls. There's kind of a weird Peter drawing uh, on page nine, panel seven. Yeah. 
but I guess that's like a forced perspective or something, but his eyeball looks like weirdly huge. Yeah. These, the close-ups on this page of him are weird. Even the close-ups on Betty, the camera's too close. Yeah. If you were filming this, I'd be like, just back up a step. But uh, Peter is uh, devastated and, uh, but he realizes now that he could never be with Betty. And he gets real angry about it. Yeah, the top of page 10, he looks like he's storming off to beat the crap out of somebody. Yeah, I, I don't love the anger that Peter shows in these early Ditko issues and probably a little bit into the Romita issues. Um, I think he's tempered it a little bit. I don't mind moments where he gets mad when it's really earned, but this feels like, who are you mad at? He seems like he's going to beat a, his beat Betty. Yeah, I, and of course, there's no way to know, but I do believe that this is Steve Ditko's sort of like irritable... Fuss. This is the side of Steve Ditko that refused to give interviews after 1966 or whatever it was. The side of Steve Ditko that would constantly quit projects because they, they, you know, they made some demand on him. Yeah. The side of Steve Ditko that like would stop talking to Stan Lee for whatever reason, because Stan wasn't paying enough attention because he wasn't getting his way, whatever it was. It's coming out here. These angry moments of Peter Parker. This is the difficult Steve Ditko yeah, kind rather of than like the story. have a conversation with Betty and see where you're at and explain your side or hear her side out completely, he storms off furious. Even after he leaves, Betty was says to the door that she was going to pick Peter. Yeah, it's you I love. It's always been you. Oh, Peter, why didn't you let me explain? Why wouldn't he listen? What is it that always stands between us? The one secret he keeps locked within him, the secret he never shares or talks about. I mean, I love it. I love this scene so much. It's so good. Like... Ditko was right to lean hard on the Spider-Man, sorry, on the Peter Parker aspects of the story because he's, he's good at it and Stan's good at the dialogue. I mean, I know it's just a comic, but like it's, it really adds a, a punch to the, to the story. Yeah, I mean, it's really good stuff. Um, we've got just a little more Peter before Spider-Man comes back though uh, because Patch has called Jonah to say, I know where the cat burglar is and I'm going to tell the police. Um. Yes, and then what? And what does uh, JJJ? I guess not yet. This is just where he says, "I haven't found leads yet." It's very shortly after this he says he does have some leads. Sorry. Yeah, he's he's telling JJ that he hasn't found it yet, and JJ's like, "You got to find him. Keep looking." Now Peter's walking around the streets, just totally depressed. Yeah. Uh, he's. I gotta say though, he's looking hunky here. I mean, you know, Peter's a hunk what at a this point. What a long way from the from the um, guy in the tight buttoned up blue suit painfully brushed back hair, weird big glasses. He's looking like a matinee. He looks like James Dean here. Yeah, he's got his nice sexy yellow vest over his white button down. Some stylish blue jeans, I think. Uh, and there is sort of a, a, a little segue that I always liked as a kid. How do I forget about the girl I love? And then there's a gunshot. A shot, that means trouble. Just what I need, action. I did love it when I was like, yeah, Spidey, stop thinking about your feelings and do something. I don't, there's something relatable about I mean, and this is true of Spider-Man. I think most superhero comics, like whenever they've got some worry or problem, they love the chance just to focus on something easy like beating up criminals. So we see a classic gang of Ditko villains, which is middle-aged men in fedoras holding bags of money, and Spidey goes to town on them. Takes them down. Easy. He's, he's worked up. He's so emotional. He's taking out the frustrations of a teenager who's lost his love. And he just knocks the crap out of them, bundles them up, uh, so much so that they're glad when it's over. Hold still, little little chums. I'll have you safely behind bars before you know it. Hurry, a jail cell would look good to us after this. That's funny. Yeah. 
And then we cut away back to the master planner villains who still are talking about how the cat orchestrated this. And they said the cat even orchestrated this crime that just happened out here. I mean, I don't even know if the, these criminals are related to the master planner, the ones that Spider-Man just caught. But for sure, these criminals talking about it are not related to the cat. That's for sure. It's very confusing. What I think should have happened was like, just as planned, those other thugs proved, proved a distraction for us to get away with our thing or something like that. Yeah. Or like we're watching Spider-Man to see like a oh, Spider-Man is in this area. Like we should do something. I don't know. They're using this information for something else. Yeah. It's so obvious. Uh, you're right. Um, that, uh, it is, uh, it's a real bummer. It doesn't make any sense that the cat would have anyone working for him. Every other panel, and also no other panel does the cat refer to having a team or a crew. So it's not like Stan yeah. was dialoguing the, the cat going, well, now that they've robbed the uranium. The cat burglar um, is just a cat burglar. He often thinks about how he's just a cat burglar. This, this whole page is a, a red herring from the cat burglar yeah. storyline. Then we get back to the cat burglar storyline, and boy, does it get boring. Um, we well, see that we Aunt a May's- real quick glance at Aunt May who's still having fainting problems. Yep. And then we get back to, yes, the cat burglar who is just hanging out in his place in a white t-shirt, smoking a cigarette, planning his next scheme. I'm surprised to see he's got bright red hair. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You learned something he's about that, him. He's wearing that, that kind of scuba gear outfit when he's doing his cat burglaring. I didn't know he was a redhead. Uh, but yeah, uh, he grabs his pouches and he runs off to rob somebody. Um, and Patch calls JJ and says that he's got a line of information. He's going to call the police. Meanwhile, Betty Brandt keeps calling Peter, but Peter won't answer the phone because what's the use of talking? Yep. And then Spider-Man decides to go out and look for the cat burglar. And I'm telling you, it's a, an okay fight. And it's an, uh, can we just gloss over most of this fight? He basically chases after him and has some trouble. The they, they, they have to do a lot of work to make the cat burglar seem dangerous. Yeah, Jonah's watching and worried that Spider-Man's going to catch him. That's the most stressful part. Spider-Man is like, he's worried Spidey's going to get a $1,000 reward. Yeah, and there's like little things like, well, the cat burglar's really smart and, oh, he's got a gun. and He like shines a light in Spider-Man's eye and then like hits him with a grappling hook. These things shouldn't have slowed Spider-Man down any more than the crime master should have slowed him down. Spidey has yeah. issues. Spidey basically fights down to the level of his villains. If they're weak, sometimes he's weak. And uh, yeah. the only thing the cat burglar really does here that is a real threat is when he blows up the water tower that almost falls on Spider-Man, which is a huge move. It's a huge, I mean, it, that you're, you're, you're risking committing murder. Yeah. Um, up till now, you've just been stealing papers and bonds. You're, you're moving up to like a possible multiple murder thing. But then uh, Spider-Man sort of chases him and then the police get up on the roof. And once the police get up on the roof, Spider-Man can't catch this guy. The police are going to catch him. Yeah, in Ditko's world, the police are uh, infallible gods, and they do catch the cat burglar. Yeah, they, they chase him down. He's vanished in a cloud of smoke. They don't know where he is. They realize he's hiding in a chimney that's behind them all. You see like a little grappling hook holding onto the edge. And, you know, they got him. They got the cat burglar. Spider-Man didn't. No reward for Peter. Yep, he gets some photos that he'll sell to JJJ. Um. And we see Peter at work the next day selling his photos and he barely, he won't even talk to Betty because it's just, it's over. Yeah. I mean, talk to her, Peter. Yeah. Have, have, be nice. Um, he's, he's being a poor role model for all the young male nerds reading, reading this comic. He's so sad when he's not with Betty, but when he's with Betty, he seems angrier. And I don't love that. 
because he's really depressed. He, when Jonah offers him, uh, Jonah basically says like, these photos aren't worth a ton. Peter's like, I don't care how much you pay me. Nothing yeah, he matters. Doesn't, he doesn't even care. And I, I really do love this last panel. It shows Peter walking dejected, hands in his pockets, head lowered out of the Daily Bugle office. And Betty kind of watching him go, and there's this ghostly image of Spider-Man holding them apart with his arms. He's, has he used this before? I feel like he has. I love it. I love it too. Um, it's a great drawing. It's overdramatic. It's soap opera-ish, and I, and I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Uh, yeah, the uh, Peter Parker stuff in this issue is pretty good. Yeah, and this all leads up to uh, the Master Planner saga, which even doesn't really get really going until issue 32, but starts for sure in 31. Well, Ditko Uh, does things with, he has lots of setup, and 31 is all setup. And and, um, I think that's part of what makes it work, so I can't complain. Yeah, it's it's a very exciting issue coming up, and this this was almost set up for the setup issue. Yeah, so, um, all right, well, that's our that's our issue. Should we give out our awards? Yeah, let's do it. Well, best panel, I just said it. The best panel is the last panel. Yeah, uh, that's go- for sure. I was thinking that same thing. I don't even want to choose a different panel. Neither, me either. I think that, that symbolizes like the important part of the story is not a Spider-Man. There's some great, beautiful Spider-Man action shots for sure, but they just don't have the impact of this last panel. Uh, for Stanley dialogue, um, I think I'll pick a, I wouldn't want to get kicked out of the Neighborhood Spider-Man Association. I think that really makes me laugh. Um, and, uh, sadly I'm going to pick the one that I also quoted that was right after that, which is the, uh, I'm just flipping to it. So I say it exactly. Um, uh, I eat my crunchies and brush after every meal. I'm sure to win out in the end. Yeah. It's a good one. So those are the lines we had already read, but those are our favorite lines. Highlight. Um, highlight is, um, it's not a highlight cause it's a sad thing, but the emotional climax story, man, Ned Leeds proposes. That's the highlight. That's the big move. Yeah, there's no question of that. If I had to pick another highlight, I guess it'd be the seeing Liz Allen again. Yeah, seeing her like change and how, how different she is. That's really interesting. Yeah, that'd be my second highlight if 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 I'm not allowed to choose the same one. Uh the low light Yeah, uh, it's a continuity mistake. The, yeah, is the master planner guys being confusingly attributed to the cat, which doesn't even make sense in this story. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if not a- just the cat burglar's general lameness. Uh, I'm a, yeah, they're, they're tied for the, they're tied for the, for the low light. Um, and that's our issue. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a low point because of the sloppiness of it, but it is, it's, I don't know. It's, I still enjoyed that, uh, soap opera stuff. So, uh, I, I don't think it's the worst. It's not as boring as the molten man issue. I don't think, which at least the molten man, half of that issue is pretty bad. I, I prefer yeah. this cat burglar fight to that. I guess, yeah. The first Scorpion story wasn't great. Um, the Beetle was only good because of the Human Torch. So there's been a couple yeah. of other, couple of. But this is like I thought the Scorpion issue we did last week was, was way pretty, more fun. Yeah, it was and pretty a pretty fun. villain. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, these guys got to do one a month, and it's just it's just sometimes the stuff doesn't come together. And this would have come out the month after the Scorpion issue, which we thought was pretty good, as well as. The annual uh, uh, or the Scorpion issue, which came out a month after the annual. So we've had a couple really great stories in a row. Yep. Yep. Um, should we do some uh, reader mail? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's uh, do it. I want to read one uh, right away. Let's see. Um, here we go. 
This is from Benjamin Suarto. I'm, okay. I'm mispronouncing that slightly. Uh, he mailed us back on August 1st. And I think this is very interesting for this issue we've just read, which is why I want to make sure I include it. He reads the letters pages uh, because they're included in, I, I don't know where he's reading this. Um, Some kind of scan of them maybe? Yeah, he might be reading in an omnibus. They might be involved in the the Marvel Unlimited. But however, he's got the letters pages, so he's reading them. And he sent me a screenshot uh, where Stan Lee says, have you noticed a change in the trademark, which appears in the left-hand corner of our cover? Have you, Will? No, I haven't. So many of you frantic fans have objected to calling our Marvel mags comics that we felt we just had to come up with a better name. And so from now on, you are no longer reading comic books when you read our little masterpieces. Instead, you're reading a pop art book. Remember, from now on, brand X, Y, and Z are comic books. But when you buy a Marvel mag, you ask for a Marvel pop art book. We'll be checking on you, so don't let us down. And if you look um, at the cover, it says Pop Art Productions. Um, yeah, they're right. I didn't. I did not even notice that. Yeah, it started with the Molten Man issue, and I think it ends next month. <laughs> so it does not. It goes back to comics before the Master Planner saga is even over. So funny. Comics is one of those names that people have never, you know, that people who are huge fans never like, but it's just the one that works. Everyone just uses yeah. it. Um, that's interesting. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. I never noticed it. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, it's on like four or five of the covers. So it's, I'm really glad Benjamin pointed it out. So that's a, that's an email we got. Uh, by the way, if you want to email us, our email address is screw it spidey at gmail.com. Uh, we'll go through, let's do some real quick hits. If you got time for it, Will. I do. So, uh, Ernie, who you might know from Australia, Will. Okay. Um, cause I know you were there for a bit, but he's been listening yeah. to you for a while. He says he discovered the mountain goats via you Oh, as well might, as they might be giants. Another podcast of mine. Don't get me started. We talk uh, he talks about his favorite villain being fancy Dan. <laughs> That's a, a fun choice. Yeah. And he wants to know if we think he'll ever get a movie like Venom. And the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, he will not at the rate that Marvel movies are going. It might happen. They might have to get <laughs> fancy Dan in a movie. Uh, Justin Bridge, who's emailed us before, and we both know him from other things, emailed us asking, he asked a bunch of stuff. He talked about your Enforcers TV show again, which, uh, is, you know, heating up, heating up. Yeah. Hollywood is heating up talking about that. Yeah. Uh, he also up. asks, what do you think is, so there's a, uh, so, sort of a thing that's never actually said in these old comics, but is often parody that Joe Jonah Jameson's headline would be Spider-Man threat or menace. Yeah. Uh, and his question is, which is worse? Like, if you had to choose, if you're only one or the other, which one are you? Which is worse? A menace is yeah. worse than a threat because a menace is on purpose. Uh, I agree with that. And I think that's what Justin guessed. He, we, we would say menace. So he's correct. Yeah, good guess. Threat or menace started from a Frank O'Neill Spider-Man story. Sorry, Frank Miller written, Dennis O'Neill. Wait, Dennis O'Neill written, uh, Frank Miller drawn annual uh first use threat or menace and uh, is that where it started yeah that's really late that's like not until like the 80s right not until the 80s and it was probably inspired by a national lampoon issue called pornography threat or menace that came out like in the mid 70s and it was might have been inspired by a harvard lampoon magazine that said ufos threat or menace because a lot of those guys in the National Lampoon had worked for the Harvard Lampoon in the 60s. The Harvard Lampoon had this UFO story, Threader Menace, and a pornography one, Threader Menace. 
And then um, oh, my cat just chimed in. Um, and then Dennis O'Neill and Frank Miller were the first ones to bring it into the Spider-Man universe. And then after that, Kurt Busiek would do it a lot in like in stuff. Yeah, it definitely shows up a handful of times. It's a very funny headline, and it definitely feels like something J. Jonah Jameson would do. Absolutely. Uh, that's a little history. Um, Threat or Menace. I created a Wikipedia page called Threat or Menace because I thought that story was so interesting. And it immediately got flagged as, this page has issues, not substantial enough for an article, not enough citations. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think, it, I think it's interesting. but I, So I don't even know if it survived being on Wikipedia. But that's really funny. <laughs> um, well, that was your one uh, addition to Wikipedia. My, my chance at immortality probably destroyed. Oh, no, the, um, pa- the, the page is still there. Oh, that's very exciting. Congratulations, Will. Has it gotten any bigger? The, you know, the, cita- anyone- the citations are gone. My, I mean, the criticisms are gone. Um, and, and people have so, added some, oh, so, so, uh, oh, you know what? They've just, they've, they've formatted it better and like moved. They took some of my sentences and made them footnotes. So this cleaned it all up. Yeah, somebody made it real. Thank you, whoever did that. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, immortal. All right. What's next? Congratulations. That's your claim to fame. Mm-hmm. You can die now. That's going to be my main credit whenever I do comedy shows now. You know him from the threat or menace page on Wikipedia. <laughs> I that would be a really funny way to be introduced. <laughs> um, uh, Oliver Villar sent us a couple emails. Okay. He talked about no prizes cause we've talked about no prizes here and there. Yeah. And he says he got one digitally once. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> He emailed about an amazing Spider-Man where Aunt May's maiden name was referred to as Fitzgerald. And so he wrote in to explain why Spider, why Peter got that wrong. <laughs> um, or, and uh, he was emailed a no prize after the weekend. <laughs> That's very funny. I love it. Uh, he also tells us that the spider slider name is used in issue 58 for the first time. Oh. We often refer to the robot that will someday be known as a spider slayer, but it's not called that now. 58 is when they start getting called spider slayers. Nice. Good one, Oliver. And he also, he sent us a couple, one other one, where is it? Uh, very recently, uh, more recently than that, he emailed us, um, uh, uh, oh, because he also reads the letter pages, and I guess he noticed a letter from Steve Gerber, the creator of Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he had a letter published suggesting that the Torch and Spider-Man hook up with Patsy Walker and Millie the model. Oh, God, would that be funny? Um, Stanley's response was, uh, oh, he, basically, uh, Steve Gerber asks, what do you think the other readers will think of that? Stan says, never mind what the other readers think. How would we ever sell the idea to Patsy or Millie? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very funny response from Stan. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Robert Christ uh, has emailed a few times. He's c- caught up on our podcast recently. Uh, he's somebody who talks about not being able to really read the comics now, but loves listening to our podcast mm-hmm. to enjoy them anyway. Mm-hmm. He refers to himself as a coward, which is a uh, <laughs> very Marvel, a very Marvel very way Marvel. to characterize yourself. I mean, he just called himself maybe the worst insult you could call somebody. Yeah, a coward. Uh, he has a lot of comments, uh, but the one I'm going to talk about is. Uh, where is it? He criticizes, he criticizes my movie critique. Uh, I didn't, I didn't love parts of Spider-Man homecoming. Right. And he basically was like, I don't know. He's like, I think you're being too picky about this film. You're being too critical. And he basically says like everything, all my criticism I shouldn't have had, but then he does say I shouldn't have enjoyed the young aunt may. So the one thing I didn't mind, I should have been critical of, I guess. Um, 
This is Robert Christ who's writing this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert, you're not the first person to tell my brother he's too critical of the Spider-Man movies. I mean, he's right. Uh, but Robert Christ, uh, thank you for reading, uh, uh, listening to our podcast. Yeah, thank I mean, you. I guess he sort of binge listening to it, so that's really fun. Yeah, thank you. Uh, a couple more. Uh, Phil Gardaki okay. wrote uh, on July 10th about our podcast about Amazing Spider-Man 18, whenever that was out. Okay. There's a comment that Jameson makes about not using an envelope to save money. Yes. And I, I guess Phil did a little research, oh, postage at that time, yeah, don't, five cents. Don't lick it or close it. You can save a penny or something on the postage or something. Right. I guess postage at that time was five cents, but only four cents for a postcard. So Jonah uh, really just wanted to save a single cent. Right, right, right. Uh, Phil asks for a no prize. No, no prize for that. You only get no prizes for explaining away mistakes. Yeah. Not- but uh, I appreciate the the background info. Appreciate the research. Uh, Scott Christie sent us an article about Stan D- Steve Ditko from uh, The Vulture. Okay. That I forwarded to you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I read that. Uh, a good, a great article. It sort of implies that Stan was, or Steve was getting some money. Yeah, right. Uh, somebody uh, went to his neighbor. His neighbor said, I saw him open a paycheck with a lot of zeros. I don't, I don't know if I buy that story, though. I, I don't know. It's so hard to know. I don't know if I buy the story. I know I don't like the guy who wrote the story for sure. I don't like this. I don't like reporters being like, I'm a reporter. I should go talk to Steve Ditko. I should harass him. I, ha- I have the right to barge in this guy's privacy because I'm, an art- I'm writing for Vulture. It's like, I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. This guy doesn't want to talk to people. Respect his wishes. Yeah. Most, I mean, by and large, everyone did. I mean, he really, he, it doesn't, yeah. people would try like once and then leave him alone, which, you know. But everybody who sort of says like about going to his house two or three times or calling him, I don't like those people. How about the people who do it once? I... Even then, if it's for like an article or something, I don't dig it. If it's to like talk about art or just to say like I'm a huge fan, I don't have as much of a problem with those people. I mean, there's something about reporters giving you a chance to say your side. If you say, look, I'm writing a 20-page thing. It's going to get read by millions of people. Do you want to say something? If if that's all, if they send a letter or something saying that or uh, if that's all they want to say, I guess I'm okay with that. It's just the ones who are sort of like, I want to interview you. Yeah. You know, and specifically about Spider-Man, the thing you're fa- – yeah. and most of the people hear that, that he can be tracked down because it's interesting that this guy won't do interviews as listed. Yeah. And it's like – I feel like they're taking advantage of that. Uh, he's anyway. asking He's asking for it to some degree. He could have an unlisted number if he wanted. He could take his na- – he could have taken his name and number off the directory of his building. I think on some unconscious level, he liked the drama – of people coming so he could slam his door in their face. Again, there's no way to know if I'm right, but it just, you could hide completely if you wanted and he didn't hide completely. Yeah. I still don't, I don't, I don't like it. I, I just feel like if you know that he's listed, you also know that he doesn't want to talk to you <laughs> like that. Those, that information is generally combined whenever you yeah. hear it. Yeah. All right. But anyway, uh, we've only got two other pieces of email here. Uh, 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 somebody named Brian, uh, no last name, mm-hmm. uh, emailed about ultimate Spider-Man. He's a huge, that's how he got started in the Spider-Man comics. Cool. And I've talked about that before that book, which wasn't really my favorite thing. Um, I have read most of it cause I'm a junkie for comic books. It wasn't really my thing, but it, man, that introduced so many people to Spider-Man comics. It certainly served its purpose and, and most people love it. So I'm for sure wrong on my opinion of it. 
Um, but here's the last one. This is from San- Sean Shear. And he asks, do you think Peter Parker should be able to lift Mjolnir? Now, Mjolnir is Thor's hammer that can only be lifted by those who are worthy. Um, could Spider-Man do it? Yeah. I know that Spider-Man, I don't know it. Like, my gut tells me Spider-Man cannot lift the hammer. But it is weird because he is very worthy. And he certainly has proven himself time and time again. But yeah. on some level, he's not meant to have that hammer. I, and I, I don't think it's because of worthy, worthiness. I just think the hammer knows, no, you're you're not. You're you're not fit. You're not the one meant for this. I don't know how to explain it. And and here's how I here's what I think. I think also no. One, I don't love other people being able to pick it up. I think it devalues. Yeah, you that should only be done like once. Beta Ray Bill's the only guy that I like being able to pick it up. Yeah, I think Captain America has held held it once, and then other times not been able to hold it. So they've sort of retconned that into being sort of like in times of great need, other very worthy people can lift it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, only those worthy of being Thor can lift it. But I think Peter's guilt would stop him from being able to lift it. Like his self-doubt and his uh, inner criticisms are what makes him not worthy of the hammer. Worthy of being a hero, yes. Yeah. But the hammer is almost like you've got to be, I mean, Thor is super confident. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, his sort of self-doubt and that sort of darkness. Okay, I buy that. That makes sense. Yeah. That's my feeling on that. And that's, I think most of it, I might've missed something small. And if I did, I apologize. Please email us again. If you're hearing this and you emailed us before, uh, August 8th and you feel like I did, I skipped your email. I'd love you to bump it. Uh, I apologize. Yeah. Uh, some people emailed us and I do plan to write them back because they're more just commenting, not really asking questions. But if you asked a question and you really want us to answer it, please email us again. Screw it. Spidey at gmail.com. And uh, you can also do Screwed Spidey as our Instagram account where Kevin puts all these uh, awesome um, uh, photos up and, and, uh, and uh, shots of the, the issues we talk about. Yeah, and that's also mirrored on Screw It Spidey on Twitter. And I tend to, I'll try to respond to people if they at us on Twitter, though I'm a little less attentive there than I am on Instagram. Because Twitter is a hellfire of toxic outrage. Yeah, all other social media is just a joy to be on, though. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's just a lot of work to follow both. Uh, but I do read everything people post on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't always remember to respond to it. I, I, uh, I try to give it a like to let people know I've read it, though. Yeah, if that means anything. So we definitely want- get some great praise on Twitter. People who re- listen to our podcasts uh, every week, and we really appreciate that. Uh, we would love to hear from anybody who wants to talk to us about Spider Man. Um, Anybody at all. I would love to hear from people my age. I'm in my late 40s who sort of uh, uh, I would love to hear newer fans who just got. I'd rather hear from people who are younger in their early 40s like me. Sure. That's a different generation. But I, you know, and it's it's hard for me to relate to them. But I'm interested to hear from people in their early 40s. Uh, I'm also interested in young fans, like college age, just like, how'd you get into it? I really love hearing, I really love hearing what people's gateways into the comics were, you know, did somebody introduce it to you? Was it a, was it the Fox cartoon or? Yeah, we've definitely gotten some emails from uh, younger yeah. um, uh, readers. Like just last week we talked about uh, Summer Hall, right? She was 21. Yep. Uh, started with the cartoon, I believe. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm always interested to know what, what hooks people. Um or anything you want to talk about Spider-Man. Um, uh, yeah. So please write in. Uh, yeah. And again, we've only got like another 10 or 11 episodes that we're planning to do. So don't wait. 
Don't wait. Don't run. You better hurry up. Um, all right, Kevin, have we covered it? I think we've covered a lot of stuff. Uh, um, let's, let's wrap it up. Yeah. And uh, again, if you, if you, you tune in next week, the next three weeks are Will and I's favorite three issues. So we're very excited about them. We've almost, the reason we've done the whole podcast is to talk about those three issues. So everything else has been set up <laughs> to help you appreciate how much we love those three issues. What if it's and then total, we'll keep doing it for the, the remaining five. What if it's a total letdown? Yeah. People read those issues and they're like, that's it. <laughs> Like this really dated things. It's like what Peter's in blackface, and then it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I, the racism works if you've read the first uh, twenty-eight issues. Wait, Otherwise, I, uh, I don't know. Jameson is very pro-Vietnam. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, it's just like so problematic. We can't like it anymore. Wait a minute. Uh, I mean, there, I've read it recently. I don't think there's much of that in there, but you know, maybe I, maybe I skimmed over it out of your love. <laughs> if you read those issues and it's really problematic, please let us know. I please. want my eyes opened. Yeah, let, don't let us be fooled anymore. Uh, all right, Kevin. Yeah, if there's some sort of if there's some sort of weird racist agenda in those issues, I need to know. We gotta find out because this podcast has been been headed for a dark end. Let us know before it happens because we've really had the wool pulled over our eyes. If that's true, <laughs> the next three episodes are just us going. I'm sorry, uh, we were kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um all right uh great episode kev yeah well really good job from you as well and uh, everybody uh we'll see you all next episode thank you goodbye screw it screw it we're just gonna talk about spider-man hi i'm muriel and i'm nick and we are the co-hosts of the podcast hella, hella in, in your 30s. 30s this podcast is all about diets hobbies never dying never dying fitbits i'm gonna try to moisturize my face more yeah alcohol should we drink more or less cheap chipotle dates for two we bring you hot episodes every monday from campfire media so make sure to subscribe on apple or wherever you get your podcasts campfire